Uh, we have, as a church, been going through the Ten Commandments over the last, uh, well, probably a couple of months. Uh, I'm going to step away from the Ten Commandments this morning, and uh, I want us to focus a little bit and remind us uh, during this season of the year that we celebrate anew the greatest gift ever given, God incarnate, God in human form, that God himself took on flesh, and the Bible says he dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ, and that he was full of grace and full of truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this morning I want to remind us as a church that Jesus remains the way, he remains the truth, he remains the life. John 1.12 says, and to all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. That we are joint heirs with Jesus himself, that we share in his life and we will share in his resurrection And during the Christmas season, we celebrate the truth. Emmanuel, we have sung it in several songs, God with us. The Bible states that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. In the beginning, God created man and woman in his own image. And the presence of God physically walked with them. It remains God's desire today to walk with us, that the desire of God's heart is to live with us. It's the overarching message of the entire Bible. It is the theme woven through every story. God's desire is that his creation, in all its forms, should walk in harmony with him, that he would be our God, and that we would be his people. It's the desire of God's heart. I want to say there is an aspect of God's transcendence that is so far beyond my understanding that I can simply stand in wonder and in awe. That in the beginning, there was God. And in the end, there will still be God. That he is the great I am That somehow God is not limited by our understanding of time and space. And while some might question why anyone would place their faith in an unseen, invisible God, I find strength in the assurance that my faith rests in God whose majesty I cannot fathom, whose ways defy my comprehension, that God can literally do more than we can even hope for or imagine. It's one of the reasons we continue to pray for people and pray for the hand of God to speak to them, and that God at times intervenes in ways that are absolutely amazing. Hebrews 11:1, 1, when talking about this faith, says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I want to say this morning that there is peace, there is comfort, and there is strength to be found in that faith. 
The story that has captivated my imagination of late has been the story of the Rosetta space mission. Landing a probe or a lander on the surface of a comet. A 10-year journey to catch up with, land on, and join a comet on its journey around the sun. And I thought, what an incredible accomplishment. And as much as I was astounded by the mission, I was equally curious about the why. The so what behind the mission. And I found this uh, on the magic of the interweb. Rosetta is named after the Rosetta Stone. And the great significance of the stone is that it provided the key to deciphering Egyptian hieroglyphics. And I have some memory of that from history class. The Rosetta Space Mission seeks to see if Comet C-G can provide a key to, and this is the part that kind of jumped out at me, deciphering the origins of the solar system and or even life on Earth. The success of this mission undoubtedly speaks to the incredible intelligence of the human brain. And that while I may struggle to replace a bulb in the headlight of my car, scientists are landing a probe, a lander, whatever the right terminology is, on the surface of a comet. And some would say, Doug, place your faith in that. That science will someday unravel the mysteries of life and we can leave a naive, God-focused faith behind. But as amazing, as amazing as the science is, I find the so what question intriguing. That somehow by studying fragments, pieces of a comet, we may uncover the origins of our own existence, of life itself. It seems that to me at least a rather desperate grasping at straws. And as incredible as the wisdom and knowledge of man might be, there is an element of futility to it if it seeks to remove God from the equation. And I don't see science as challenging the existence of God or something to fear. In fact, I see science as proclaiming in much the same way that David did throughout the Psalms that the heavens, even today, Declare the glory of God. I found a quote um, of Albert Einstein. I'm not sure where Albert Einstein was in terms of his belief or what he thought of God, but he, he made this comment, and I think there's so much truth to it. The scientist's religious feeling takes the form of a rapturous amazement at the harmony of natural law. That law that sort of keeps all of what we see in the heavens working, which reveals an intelligence of such superiority that compared with it, all the systematic thinking and acting of human beings is an utterly 
insignificant reflection. He also said at one point, I want to know God thoughts. The rest are details. And there's no question to me that science continues to discover and uncover some of the details. But science on its own will never discover God thoughts. Thoughts of God are revealed by God himself. They're revealed through the word of God. They're revealed through the person of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God actually with us. The Bible says that God's presence is literally evident in everything he has made, that the presence of the invisible God is right in front of our eyes. If you take a look around you, you will see God. Three weeks ago, I think Cody and Bretta uh, Turner uh, brought their newest child, Emmeline Jean, I believe, to Creekside with them. And I talked with them after, and I said, wow, what a beautiful baby. And Bretta's comment was simply this, how can anyone not believe in God? David expressed this truth perhaps better than any other biblical writer. The book of Psalms kind of reflects David's conversations with God. It's kind of his journal. And there's a theme that David repeats over and over again in the Psalms. He expresses amazement at what God has created, but he never ends there. Psalm 19, probably many of you know this well, I'm going to read a fair amount of it because I think it's incredible what it says about the presence of God is literally in front of our eyes. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, the heavens make him known. They speak without a sound or word, Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. And I love this, the following analogies. The sun, it bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete, eager to run the race. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. I love that passage. When I spend some time in the office that the Alliance Church allows me to use, there's a beautiful view of the lake and the mountains around me. When I look at it, I think about this verse, heavens declare the glory of God. David would say, look around you. The evidence of God is always there. But as I said, David doesn't stay there. He always moves from being amazed at God's glory spread out in all that he has created, and he ends by talking about the fact that that same God is his God. The last part of Psalm 19, he says this, the commandments... And this kind of ties in with what we've been talking about. He says, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, 
giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart, David says? Cleanse me. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. He's talking to God. Keep your servant free from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. And he says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And he says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And David reminds us that God revealed in all that he has made is not distant or removed. God did not create and then disappear. David says, God, you are my rock and my redeemer. The Psalms speak to the fact that you and I are actually on the heart of God, that he quite literally is thinking about each one of you. He is mindful of us. Psalms 8, verse 3 to 5, beautiful again. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, David says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings, that you should care for them. Yet you have made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. And you can explain some of David's comments by calling him an early environmentalist, that he was just a man that loved the great outdoors, and that's probably true But David is even more amazed that the God who created the heavens and earth thinks about you, thinks about me. God cares for you. God cares for me. And he says, God, you are my rock. You are my redeemer. You are my ever-present help in time of trouble. And there are those in our church walking through troubling times who are saying, God, you are my ever-present help in times of trouble. There's no greater example of God's care, God's mindfulness for us than the message of Christmas. I said earlier that in the beginning there was God, and in the end, there is God. But I think more significant to us, to men and women, within the context of time and space, is that in the middle, it is also God. That God revealed himself in human form. God entered time and space. And why? Because he thinks of you. He thinks of me. He wants to walk with us and talk with us and take up residence in our hearts. It's the message that the infinite God through Jesus Christ continues to reconcile the world to himself. It's a story of restoration. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of seeking those who are lost. It's a story of calling home those who may say they are far from God. It's a message of the Bible. It's the gospel of good news, and it's the mission of the church. 
to proclaim to people around us that God is still calling people to himself. I want to say, yes, the glory of God is declared and spread before us. And I think um, sometimes you need to get out of the city a little bit to actually soak that in. That his creative power, his majesty is declared in all he has made. And yet even more, it says, is that God became flesh, dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. I just want to say this morning, I believe with all my heart that God is still drawing people to himself. He does that through his spirit. The spirit of God is still moving across the face of the earth. That Jesus remains the way, he remains the truth, he remains the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, but whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast out. John 6 verse 40 says, this is the will of God who sent me. This is Jesus speaking. That everyone who sees me and believes in me may have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. God's invitation remains the same today. It's an invitation that we as God's church are asked to share. To proclaim, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The birth of Jesus represents God's desire to literally be with us. To walk with us. It's an amazing invitation he extends to those who even this morning might say, Doug, I feel far from God. I want you to know that God is still calling people to himself. What is man that you are mindful of him? And if I personalize it, I would say, who am I that you are mindful of me, God? When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and stars you set in place, who am I that you should think about me? Who am I that you should care for me? It's such an incredible message. I just want to encourage us during the season of the year to remind ourselves that the hand of the invisible God reached into human history in the tangible presence of Jesus Christ. That God is with us. And that God, through Jesus, continues to seek to redeem, restore, and reclaim a broken world and at times broken people. But he welcomes us. And as children of God, we need to rejoice. We need to celebrate his presence in our life And I want to say this morning, if it's not your story, if you feel far from God, I want to say to you, God continues to draw people to himself. And that even this morning, if it's the desire of your heart, if you feel the Spirit of God speaking into your life, you can experience the presence of the living God in you, walking with you, talking with you. Emmanuel. 
God with us. Let's pray. Father, I just want to say thank you for the incredible message of your word. Father, I stand amazed that your presence spread around us. And Father, it's something that I think we should take time to celebrate. The heavens declare your glory. Your majesty is spread out before us every day. Help us at times take time, God, to see you. And Father, even as David said that you are not a God who is distant, you are a God who is personal. That David, even before the birth of Jesus, called you his rock and his redeemer. And Father, through Jesus, the invitation remains to all who believe to begin walking with the creator who made them. I thank you, God, that the desire of your heart is to walk with us, to be with us. And as much as we celebrate the birth of God in human form, we also celebrate the fact that Jesus died for you and me. But the beauty of the story, Father, is that death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. He rose victorious over sin and death, and he reigns forever. And Father, one day we too, even if life has been tough and if we've gone through dark places in our life, Father, if we cling to you, there is the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for that we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.